Hello, my name is Eva, and today's episode is part one on a series about royal tennis. This term describes the racket game of the medieval and early modern era, which would later evolve into what we today might recognize as tennis. Royal tennis is a rather old fashioned term, and nowadays, this particular racket game or its variation is more often than not referred to as real tennis or as court tennis. For as we say in my neck of the woods, beloved child has many names. But for the purpose of this episode and this series, we shall stick to the nomenclature of royal tennis, as the topics we will discuss pertain to royalty and their adventures with tennis. And in order to do that, we will have to first explore a little history of royal tennis. Like many other games with their origins in the medieval era, tennis was informed by a particular context. In this case, the context was enclosure and forced companionship in the 12th century. With the benefit of hindsight, we can surmise that a game where a ball was hit up against a wall in cloistered monasteries was the precursor to tennis. During the medieval era, second or third sons from noble houses might have sought a career within the church, as was the case of the Bishop Henry of Winchester, who was brother to the 12th century king Stephen. But families who were not quite royalty, or who were not quite as ambitious, might send their suppler son to a monastery, either as an oblate, a youth who would later take monastic vows, or those nobles who could afford it might send their sons to be educated by the literate monks. Certainly, some monasteries in the 12th century housed monks and young men who had grown up in comfort with ample time for leisure, and it might be rightly assumed that these noble sons holed up behind cloistered walls might have struggled to adhere to the strict rules guiding the monastic life, and in their search for entertainment might have joined in as young monks threw a ball up against a wall. For this is the supposed beginnings of tennis, that young monks invented a game in which they used their hands as a racket to hit a ball as another player would then do the same. The pastime was first reported by the 12th century Caesarius of Heisterbach, a prior of Heisterbach Abbey, who in his private writings recounted how a rough game of hitting a ball was practiced by monks in France. During the course of the 13th century, the game spread north and eastwards in France, as young nobles, educated in wealthy monasteries, took the game with them as they established their own castles, fortresses and strongholds. Set loose in the world outside the monastery, the game changed having previously been played mostly as a group sport. 
it now became an individual endeavor, and adopting along the way such complex rules, rights, and regulations that one might assume this game came to be an outlet for battled competition with a decidedly chivalric aura about it. In fact, one of the details of the game at this time was the chase, in which participants were allowed to chase a ball, and the descriptions about how this chase was regulated makes it sound a lot like attack and counter in a medieval tournament. By the 14th century, the game was known as jeu de pomme, literally game of the palm, as it was played by striking the ball with the palm of your hand, though those who could afford it wore protective gloves, for the balls were made of cork and surrounded by heavy woolen cloth and must have made quite an impact when struck right. One man who could easily afford sports gloves was Louis X of France. It is well documented that the 14th century French king, Louis X, was an early enthusiast of the game. He was not what one might call an outdoors type of man, and therefore ordered the construction of an indoor tennis court at his Paris residence. This novelty was no sooner finished than it was copied by other sovereigns of the age. And if we inspect the contemporary blueprints of Louis's tennis courts, we would recognize the design as resembling our own modern tennis arenas. And just as Louis X would be the first to have a proper games court, he would also be the game's first well-known victim. On the 5th of June, 1316, Louis X played a long and particularly grueling game against one of his courtiers. Following the game, the king was completely exhausted and asked for and drank gallons of wine after the game. But instead of rejuvenating him, the king continued to feel unwell and died during the course of the evening. He was 65 years old, and with such a sudden death, poisoning was immediately suspected. But though he was not universally beloved, he was a king who did enjoy affection from his inner court. So pinpointing a suspect was difficult, and it ultimately came to nothing. However, the contemporary sources lay out a series of rapidly worsening symptoms correlating with pneumonia, and historians today speculate that Lewis's exertion during the game caused him to sweat profusely, but cold winds in his palace caused him to catch a severe chill, which then developed into pneumonia. Or perhaps he was already suffering from pneumonia, and this was the cause of his general lack of good health that day. The actual cause of death will never be determined, but the way the historical accounts were written, Louis X's death was intricately connected to the game, as the context of a death in medieval understanding 
was as important as cause of death. The death of a king by this new fangled game inevitably cast a dark shadow over this sport, so much so that the church contemplated banning the game, or at least condemning it. But by now, the game had proven far too popular to be abandoned as a devil's sport, a name it also acquired in some circles who looked suspiciously at this new frivolity. During the 15th century, it would attain the name that we know it by today, Tanis, a French command in tennis which meant halt or be aware. Sensible warning to be sure, but one which would come far too late for the next royal tennis enthusiasts. I shall leave it there for today. Next time we continue as a medieval Scottish tennis fan finds himself trapped in a tunnel of death, while another French king suffers the consequences of playing tennis. I hope you liked this episode. If you did, please consider telling one of your friends about this podcast, Restless Times in History. Or perhaps you would consider leaving a like wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I have been Eva, and thanks so much for listening.